Hey everybody, it's Shannon Robnett with the Real Estate Rundown. Today I've got Mike Dawson and Casey Barnwell with me. How you doing guys? Doing well. Doing great, thank you. Mike and Casey uh, have been business partners in a company called Soar First and their main focus is Airbnbs and they've got some, they've got quite a few of these. And instead of trying to tell you guys what I know about them, I'm just going to ask them to tell us when did store first come about? How did you guys get started in this industry? Well, like when Mike and I first met, we actually uh, met in the gym and uh, Mike was actually a, uh, a trainer there. And uh, I was looking to get back into shape and, and uh, him and I kind of just clicked right off the get go. We had the same humor, the same approach to life and everything like that. And we just started working out with each other. And then, you know, I was just like, Hey, you know, you know, let, let me hire you on. Let's, let's just train and get you paid while, while we get to know each other better. And then, you know, from there on out, we became best friends. And uh, we, during our workouts, we'd always talk about getting into real estate. You know, man, I've been always been interested, you know, seen it on the TV shows and I, I'm, it's going all over the internet and you make some great money in it and uh, really build that freedom that you want for your life and your family and your close friends. And so, we were just like, you know, hey, let's, let's get into this. And fortunately enough, Mike had a, uh, a property that was uh, he was going to sell and everything like that. So we, we decided, hey, let's just make that our first rehab, our miniature rehab. And this has come in with zero experience. zero experience, just what you could Google, literally, and piece together. And... Um, from what we could understand, we, we did the necessary big things that really bring people in, kitchen, master bedroom, stuff like that really highlighted the areas that people mostly stay in in their home. And so, you know, we, we, we did it all ourselves, all the sweat equity, and, uh, you know, we were able to turn it over for a good profit to help us literally start and pay for our business to get everything going from there. But when you and guys, when you guys start a job, the first thing you got to have is internet so you can watch uh, the YouTube videos to figure out how to tear out the kitchen, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just grab a sledgehammer and Mike's like, put that down. And I was like, well, <laughs> wait a minute. That's not what I, it's get to I got yeah, it. Exactly. So, so, so then, but what got you, I mean, so you guys did a rehab. Did you turn that into a rental immediately in Airbnb? I mean, what got you from there to Airbnb? There's a little bit of backstory in setting that up. So yeah. what, what, what kind of drove the, we want to get out of the lifestyle of working for someone else and building their dream for them and get into something where we're building our dream. Uh, we actually wound up working together at another job. I got hired on at the company Casey was already working for, and we worked for Casey's dad uh, at the company he just uh, is moving on from. Uh, but in the process of working there together, that was kind of where a lot of our relationship continued to grow. And um, out of that, it, it was just, that's where the motivation came from to, okay, I want to spend the rest of my life giving my time away to someone else for pennies on the dollar. And so really out of that, um, the opportunity came where my wife and I had a property she had bought that she lived in. Um, I had my own property. She had a property. And then when we got married, we were renting out her property. And then it was from there, 
we knew we were going to need more capital to really get the business going. And that's kind of where going into what Casey just explained as far as getting that property flipped. Um, we knew we'd gotten the property for a good deal um, and made a very good profit off of it. And then from that, uh, Sourfirst was born. Uh, we got our LLC, did all the, the background work and getting that up and running. And then really we realized we don't know what we're doing. We need to find people and start surrounding ourselves with people who do. And so, you know, like most people who want to you know, start a side hustle and get in business, we, we spent some homework on uh, uh, finding some mentorship, finding some education materials that we could use, dive into, and, and take action on right away. And who did you guys find on that? Where did you go for that? Uh, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Dean Graciosi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we got a hold of some of his materials in the real estate market he was doing a couple years ago <clears throat> and started uh, going through his materials, um, uh, found some of the action plans that they took on that and just jumped in head first, just started taking action on it. Um, and we kind of went through the gamut of different aspects of, of real estate. And part of that process was finding what we really liked. And in the end result, and this will we'll backtrack the story, but the end result is we found where we become most excited about doing the Airbnb and the nightly rentals. And we'll kind of talk through the process of how we came to that because we didn't start there. We, we started with fix and flips, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it came through who we started connecting with. And that was kind of where our story as Sourfirst Investments began was we did our first flip, used that to launch our business. And then from there, we started doing some education and from the education started executing some of the basic uh, pieces of marketing, things that we could do for cheap or out of the pocket and, and start trying to find uh, properties in our market. And that was a trick too, is because this was when Boise hit its next big boom and became one of the fastest growing places in the country. And so it was a challenge for us. We had to dig and work a lot harder than we thought we were going to have to. And that's, you know, that was kind of how we tripped and fell into uh, Robert and Dez. Yeah, Robert and Dez, which became, you know, our, still are great mentors to us because they've been in the real estate game for 25 plus years. And they, they, they took us under their wing and they saw the potential that we had. And they're just like, hey, you guys, you can, you can do great stuff with us. And so, you know, we did some uh, joint venturing with them on some of the properties and that's when we uh started recognizing the potential of starting the business with nightly rentals uh, airbnbs and uh you know after doing a few rehabs we, mike and i were just like crap you know we're not we're not having as much fun as we'd want because you know a lot of it we were still doing a lot of the work ourselves right and with alongside the you know the people that we the subs that we hired on to do and um we really wanted to make an automated business for us to be able to spend more time with our families. Cause that was our ultimate goal awesome. from the beginning. And we, we saw the, we saw the people around us in our community and in, and then in the world that how much people are actually making doing nightly rentals and Airbnbs. And we were just like, we got to We got to get into yeah, this. Let's see, that. let's see what's up. I'm like, this, I'm like, let's get into it. And so we started, you know, investigating and uh, found, yeah. uh, found the right people to talk to, to uh, start helping us out. And, you know, because there's multiple approaches to 
uh, Airbnb on who you're serving because that's in the end is that's what it is. Who are you serving? What's your clientele? Yeah, and I've, and I've seen that, you know, and, and the smart thing is here, guys, you guys saw, uh, you know, you saw a niche and you went after it, but you didn't try and create the niche, you know, you didn't try yeah, to create right, yeah. B, you, you looked at it and said, okay, nightly rentals, they make us more money. Um, but what do we do there? You know, and, and I've looked at that. I have several Airbnb rentals in Puerto Rico, uh, which is actually my full-time residence, but what I look at is the same thing because what you have for a clientele in Puerto Rico is very different than the clientele you would have in Boise and yep, yep. Maybe a different clientele for even somewhere like San Francisco or Denver or Houston. So you guys, you know, I mean, I, 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 I appreciate the fact that you guys jumped in because, you know, and, and you made a statement there that, you know, it, it started taking a lot more work, right? And most people find that the people that are financially independent, the people that have created the kind of income that isn't driven by a boss or isn't driven by a job, are not always smarter. They just work harder. And it sounds like you guys had that same experience. You were, went, went from working, trading time for dollars to working for yourself and being in control of your time and then taking that to the next step, which was leveraging that time to make sure that you guys were getting out of your life what you wanted out of your life. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and man, it's, it's such a, that's such a story of America, you know? I mean, that's such a, 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 of the value of this Republic that we get to enjoy is that you guys trade time for money if you want. There's a lot of security in that getting insecure, getting uncomfortable, doing the side hustle that becomes the main hustle is always a lot more work. Now, when you guys were doing this, were you guys trying to dig up your own deals? Were you working with wholesalers? Were you was, you know, when, when you guys started doing fix and flips, were you trying to be your own real estate agent? I mean, where were you guys at in that initial process? We didn't want to do the wholesaler route because here in Idaho, it's just, they're just way too expensive. There's no profit there. And so we, we've always break it down to the basics. How can you get a property from, you know, multiple uh, approaches? And of course we did door knocking where you go find the neighborhood that everybody wants to be in and finding the most rundown place in there and seeing who lives there and, uh, talking to them, not only saying, you know, not directly saying to them, hey, I want to buy your house, but asking them, hey, do you know anybody in the neighborhood that's selling a property? And just by giving them, hey, you know, we're a local uh, real estate team here. Uh, we're not realtors, so we're a lot cheaper. There's no backer, no hidden costs or anything like that. And being able to educate them, not directly, hey, I'm going to buy your house, but putting in their head, Hey, these guys are pretty cool. They're straightforward. I've been thinking about my home. And then usually a day or two later, they're giving you a call saying, Hey, you know, I've been thinking I've actually been selling my house. And that's, you know, one of the, one of the hardest, you know, more old school approaches. And, uh, you know, there's, some, <laughs> there's always some funny stories that come along with it, away with that. And, you know, uh, getting, called, getting the cops called on you. Yeah, getting the cops called on you is one of them. Uh, oh, do tell. I, you know, I, I was, I was really. <laughs> Tell me, tell me about the story with the cops. I got to hear that. Twice, twice actually. <laughs> first, time, first time, yeah, I was, I was in downtown Boise near Garden City and 
I was doing my door knocking and this this cop comes and this is a higher end area. This is a higher high end real estate. These, these properties are not these. This is where the money is in our in our market. Yeah, we buy the cheap ones for three hundred grand and sell for half a million. And so I'm I'm going there. You know, I'm dressed up nice. You know, I'm not looking like you know guy with a hood on. You know, saying you know look peeking through windows and everything like that. And you know, I I got you know I got my business folder with me and everything. And I'm walking, and this cop comes rolling up behind me. And I, you know, of course I recognize him, I wave and everything like that. And he, he stops and he's like, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? And, and I turn around, I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, Hey, we've been, we've been getting, uh, we got a call in and saying that there's this guy walking around the neighborhood, looking through windows and talking on people's door and talking to him. And, and I was like, well, you found me. <laughs> Pretty, you're not you're not really good at the sneaky thing huh no no i'm like uh so i was just like well the, i'm like the house i was looking at that was it was literally abandoned there so you know i left the note on there you can go look for yourself and uh the guy's like well you know we we've been recently getting phone calls in about you know people breaking into houses and everything like that and, and then i you know i backtrack i was like wait I'm like, was it an older lady that called you that told you that, you know, a guy in a blue shirt walking around and everything like that? And they're like, yeah, we got reports from an older lady. I was like, she, she was the one coming out asking me what I was doing. And so <laughs> I was like, I better get away from this area because she seems like a person that would call the cops. Yeah. And and we got to run your information and everything like that. And I was just like, yeah, no problem and everything like that. I'm like, well, before we go any further, I'm like, we do live in Idaho. I was just like, I am caring. And he was just like, oh, okay. And everything like that. And so by that time, two more patrol vehicles come rolling up and uh, they're like, we got to detain you for a bit. And I was just like, oh, here we go. I'm like, can, can we use the bigger handcuffs? I'm like, I'm a bigger guy. My arm doesn't reach back all the way. And they're like, this is not your first time being detained. Huh? I was like, no. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, so so, like, so always later. be nice to the little old ladies when you're knocking the hood is kind of what you're saying. Huh? Right. Extra nice. Extra nice. I'm like, what are you cookies if you can? Man, I'm like, these days, I'm like, people are more scared now people walking around because it you know the same thing happened the second time i went out and cops are calling they're just like yeah they're just people just being scared about it so you know people that are thinking about door knocking right now i want to wait might want to wait yeah especially in the environment right now so so so. let's uh let's talk about the environment that we're in so uh you guys have been involved with fix and flips and airbnb how long uh, Airbnb more recently, fix and flips we've been doing for probably about a year and a half. We've probably okay. done three of them. Yeah, well, three, okay. yeah, we've done. And so you guys are getting into the Airbnb market. How's that, how's that been? Uh, uh, a lot of people uh, don't understand right off the get-go that Airbnb and nightly rentals is a data game. I'm like, you really got to take in the information and understand what the community in the area that you're serving in. Uh, is doing for you to best approach it and uh, and so uh, uh, basically understanding where you're going to be at is basically uh, oh man, Mike, I'm I'm we'll cut here. this part out don't worry about it 
Yeah, thanks. <laughs> a big part of it, like you said, is it's it's sort of a numbers game, like with any part of business. And um, it, it comes down to just doing a little research on your market. And, you know, the biggest thing, like we kind of stated off the get-go, is, is identifying who you want to serve. And I think for us, as we started getting into this, as we started doing our homework on it, that became a major point of interest of who do you want to serve and why do you want to serve these people? And as we started getting into uh, studying the Airbnb industry and, and the whole, just the whole shared industry, because like Uber was born out of that, all the different shared markets that have, have come from the shared economy. Um, and it's, it's an amazing concept. It's something I never would have thought of, you know, and it's been around a lot longer than the popularity of Airbnb. But during, um, but during that time, I'm like, this, this had nothing to do with uh, CBD-19. So yeah. this was when everything was still booming and people weren't, people were especially, you know, for me, I'm a millennial, uh, don't like to stay around in the area for too long. So being able to move out and about and, you know, business travelers as well, uh, they, they want everything automated. They want everything quick. And so we're basically, how can we set up the system that can be quick where once they come in, because, you know, what, what's the ultimate thing? People are lazy. So setting up a fast system for them to where it's just boom. Oh, I can instantly book this or oh, I can set it up for this amount of time in just two or three clicks on, on a computer or some you know, button pressing on their phone where everything is done right then and there, where there's links to saying, hey, you need an Uber for this, or hey, here's a local store that can deliver to you. Mm-hmm. Being able to set that for them is going to attract more of those people. Right. And so that, that, those systems that were going on before, before uh, CBD-19 came in uh, was basically a lot, a, lot of, uh, a huge part of our approach to uh, uh, nightly rentals. So basically well, it was just a lot of... You know, I was doing, I was dealing with VRBO back, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, you know, it was a platform and, and it was more along the lines of a catalog where once you figured out what you wanted, you could look at their calendar and then you could send them a request and then they could look at who you were and do a profile search and then get back with you. And then we had, you know, that whole industry went through the whole who's paying for the insurance and what about this and how, what about damage? So VRBO kind of paved the way for what Airbnb is. It's, it's kind of like the Uber and the Lyft, right? Everybody hears about Uber, but Lyft is financially doing quite a bit better, right? I mean, being first doesn't always mean that you're you're the best. It just means that you're first and hit the speed bumps and you're going to, you're going to do these things and, and you're going to have these kind of tri- trials and tribulations. And the guy that's coming along second can go, Oh yeah, don't do that. And don't do that. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. So, so you guys have been able to take advantage of that and make it an easy solution. Have you guys seen any change in your rental market, your rental rates as, as we're running into this virus? Yeah, we're watching them drop fairly steadily, not in huge numbers, not large amounts dropping, but consistently dropping. We're seeing properties that were going fast off the market, um, staying stuck longer because people have like frozen. They stood still and are not moving, not moving their money, become, uh, you know, pushing things out. I want to wait till this falls over. I want to wait till the economy stabilizes a little bit. Um, and is that well, a it is kind of, flip? Is that on your purchase game or is that on your Airbnb game? 
That's on both, that's honestly. On both. That's, <clears throat> the one thing that maybe a lot of people outside the Boise market don't know is because of the rate of growth out here, like um, uh, building and construction is still considered essential work, so all of those employees are still allowed to go to work. A lot of everything else is shut down. And so a lot of, because of the travel restrictions too, that's been the other bump we've run into is uh, a lot of our clientele were coming in from out of state mm -hmm. and, and travel and booking through those means. And so one of our evolutions is determining if and how we want to adjust some of our marketing to um, people who are, are working uh, in battling the coronavirus or people who are just looking for an escape experience of what uh, our community can offer. And so those are some of the things we've been talking about lately, evolving it because we literally were just about to step into a scaling point as the whole coronavirus thing kind of set in in the last three weeks. And so we were getting <coughs> structures for funding and everything in place. And now we're watching some of our um, peers in the, in the industry saying, you know, we're closing up shop or our, our business is plummeted because of this. And so, I mean, we feel like we caught a blessing in the skies of just the timing of what we were about to jump into. Um, instead of pouring all that money into something that's going to barely break even for the next, I don't know, maybe six, eight, 12 weeks. Um, we got an opportunity to basically stop right before we jumped off the ledge and wait for things to reshuffle yeah. a little bit. We literally had our list set up to start calling the people that we wanted to call to start setting up more units. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, so, just, so the reality is, you know, that, I mean, it, I, I was watching, uh, there's a new, there's a new video out uh, on YouTube right now with uh, Robert Kiyosaki uh, that I watched this morning. And, and, you know, he takes it a little bit further than uh, Warren Buffett does with his statement, you know, you're buying when there's blood in the streets, but you know, you guys, uh, you guys see this temporary halt with the economy that we've had, uh, over the last seven years, we've seen growth, 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 you know, so we're going to see a pause, whether we see a decline is another thing, but now is a time to restructure, reshuffle your business, figure some, exactly. out, put some more systems in place, pause, take a breath. What are you guys seeing that your business needs that you didn't have time to do a year ago? One of the biggest things is just the whole automation process, because a lot of what we've been doing to this point, we're the ones taking the phone calls and the text at two or three o'clock in the morning um, because we didn't, we knew we wanted to go to the automation, but we hadn't found what we were looking for yet. And so we're just starting to come across that stuff now and doing our homework on it. Um, but I think for us over the course of the last year, even six months, that's the biggest piece is how much can we profit from this and how much are we willing to pay to not have to be the ones handling all the all the little logistics things how much of that can we hand off because that's going to really determine how much quickly we can grow the business in other markets yeah less time you're answering questions on the cleaners and uh, and booking the more time you have scaling well and that's and, so, and that's kind of you know back to robert kiyosaki he said that in school uh in, in this interview it was really great he said i have a team and in school that was called cheating uh but yeah, here i like his mentality on that 
You know, you've got yeah. a team yep. where you realize that somebody is willing to clean the place for $35 an hour and somebody's willing to do this for $25 an hour. And yet you can take your game to another level and say, my time is worth $75 an hour because yeah. when I have that time, I can make these kinds of decisions and do these things going forward. And a lot of that has to do with understanding and identifying and creating that powerful team. And so it, it's funny because I've talked to several people this last week who are in this crisis, this, this, this pandemic, this virus, whatever you want to call it, let's not get into semantics here, but the world has changed in the last month. And there's those that are yep. lamenting the change and trying to figure out what the government's going to do for them or what's, how society is going to take care of them. And there's those that have taken the power back and said, I'm going to create my future as I see fit, I'm going to strengthen my position in where I was going originally. I'm going to do these things that I was going to do anyway, and I'm going to reinvest more in myself. And that's one thing that I think that I think a lot of people that are sitting here in this problem in this time period and going, oh my God, the world is coming apart. They're having that trouble seeing where they can invest in themselves to make themselves better. Sounds like you guys already have a handle on that. Not only investing in yourself with the mentorship programs that you've been dealing with, but investing in your business to make it better so that your team can handle some of the C and D and E tasks while you guys are handling yep. the C and B items that are out there clubbing it and dragging it home. Yep. A, a lot of people don't understand. I'm like, Mike and I, since we started business, we haven't collected one penny out of it. I'm like, everything's been reinvested back into the yeah. business. I'm like, we, we see the value of investing into our business first of paying us instead of paying ourselves first. At this point. At this point. Soon enough, yes, we want, we'd like to make some money. But uh, Well, I noticed you guys, are, you guys are doing the same hairdo thing, so that's probably saving you a few bucks, right? Yeah, it is. My barber's so cheap. Yeah, I'm like, I actually had a wig, but you know, it's been windy over here, so I lost it. Uh, I'm not far behind you there, guys, but. <laughs> but you know, I mean, and that's so important, you know, that you guys are seeing the value of it, right? You're seeing how to scale your business, how to, how to take the next step instead of, instead of stepping off of this, stepping out of simple, I work for somebody to now I'm self-employed, but I'm eating all my profits. And so I don't have anything to reinvest. I can't grow. I can't make my mm -hmm. business bigger. It really hampers a lot of things. So when you guys look at this, I mean, you guys have been doing this now for a couple of years. Did you think two years ago when you walked out of your J-O-B and, and, and told your dad, I know your dad. So you told your dad very respectfully, sir, I'm going to I'm going to turn in my two weeks notice now. <laughs> I'll see you later. Um, yeah, you guys would be special. that you guys would be as far along as you are. No, I mean, I mean, we, we talk about it regularly because that's I think one of the things that we've learned uh, on what we've done with business is the importance of having a good partner, the right partner. Because I've heard both sides that people like I just like doing things on my own. And you know, more power to those those people who are, who are independent, sole sole proprietors can do it all on their own. But I think one of the things I really had as a benefit uh, with Casey is, you know, if I'm dragging behind on something, he's there to pick me up. If he's dragging behind or struggling with something, I'm there to pick him up. And we, you know, we, we really feed off of each other's energy, and I really that's helped propel us into 
that's the launching point to where we are today is just being there for each other, picking each other up, pushing each other, not letting each other just quit. You know, and that's, that's an important yeah. thing. I've, I've been involved in partnerships uh, and, and I've, I've partnered with family, which is always the most difficult because you still want to do, you know, the holidays and you still want to be friends and you still want to get along. Uh, and I've done, I've done partnerships with other people and, and finding that like-mindedness. I mean, so do you guys, do you guys find that you guys have the same skill set or do you guys bring different things to the table? I mean, how do you guys sort that out? Very different. Yeah, it's very different. <laughs> like one of the, the, one of the, uh, like the funny parts is I'm always the one running into the, into the dark room without a flashlight. And Mike is usually right behind me with the flashlight <laughs> saying, Hey, you should, I've always been the, uh, head first, head first, first, let's, go. let's just go. Um, I'm sure, you know, the turbulence will end at some point. <laughs> you know, so so how. you're the one that they need the safety net for, and Mike is that safety net. Just Mike is a huge safety net for me. Slowing it down, thinking it through. Not that, it, and, and you know, there's, there's so much to be said about that. I've watched a lot of people get analysis paralysis. They've been sitting yep. on the sidelines waiting for the market to crash uh, since 2013, 2014. You know, right. they're still waiting for that decrease when they could have been making money all the time. And, you know, the reality is in real estate, you make money going up, you make money coming down. It's just about exactly. being positioned to take advantage of opportunities. And, you know, but I, I love what you guys have got going there where you've got, you know, the, the yin and the, the yang where, where you guys go, hey, that's a great idea. Hold on. Let's think this through let's get the next steps going so that we can make this successful. And yet you've got somebody going da, 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 charge, right? You know, so that's, that's a great partnership. What else do you guys split in that partnership as far as being opposites? He's taller. <laughs> yeah, but Casey, I know your parents, that's most people. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, I mean, I'm I'm taller sitting down than I am standing up. So, what uh, what do you guys see as your as your competitive edge against you, the peers, the people that you're that you're around that you're working with? And you know, to sum it up, to the drive to want to be better, the drive to want to say, "Hey, we're grateful for your success. We want to help you in any way we can to accelerate your success." we still want to be better and we're going to find a way to do that. Yeah. We're not going to cut you down. We're always going to build you up. We're going to help you. We'll be there for you, but we're going to find to do it better. Don't give, I, up, don't give away all the secrets of being able to be still be the shark in the tank. Right. Well, and you know, there's, there's a lot of value in that, you know, giving back. I mean, being a mentor, like you were mentored, right? I mean, you guys got, a, yeah. you guys got a gift from, from your guys that, that invested in you. Or not a not a ton of gain, but more for the value of, of being able to bring the next generation along. And you know, that's one of the things that I think a lot of businesses don't do well, or industries, I guess I should say, they don't do well. And so there becomes a, a culture in there that isn't educated as to how the business was really done, you know? And and when yeah. that doesn't happen, then you wind up with with something that's rotten inside because that industry is falling apart because there's there's not a there's not a uh, a, a normal there's way no culture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, there's not a system in place. That's a good point. 
you know, and, and the, that's the wonderful thing too about, about real estate though, is you can be as creative as you want. You can be as vanilla as you want. You can make all kinds of changes. You can do really great stuff. You can do really simple stuff. But as long as it's what you want to do and you've got a good handle on how to take it from A to D or E or Q, whichever number is your, is your bus stop, as long as you guys have that ironed out, you're, you're doing great. Now, what do you guys do? I mean, what do you guys do when you're faced with the, the, the difficulties that you're faced with now with, with occupancies changing, with, with demand changing on a short-term basis? What's your plan to get through this? Well, it all starts down. It starts with uh, analyzing the market, see what's going on, and see what uh, your market is doing in your area, where your units are at, and start testing things, seeing what's going on system-wise. Because people, for you know, a small, a little example, uh, people are not that are five-star, you know, super hosts and everything like that. If you look at it, they're no longer on the front page. It's all about the people right now that are changing their prices, cutting their prices down, that are boom showing up on the first and second page so they're getting that visual they're getting that response they're getting those bookings simply because they're testing things and that's what mike and i've been doing we just started testing things out what brings us back to the page because we know like some of our units are, are brand new and everything like that we're not at super host status yet of those units but with us testing and seeing those price changes and everything like that <clears throat> that brings us all the way to the front page and it gets uh, more views more response and uh, uh, better data, and it pushes, you know, Airbnb, uh, uh, HomeAway, and uh, your furnished, yeah, furnished, some of the other platforms, they want to push you forward, because guess what? They're going to be making money you're off you. You're making them money. They're making them money. So, that's so funny, because you guys are, I mean, what I hear you saying is that it's understanding the analytics about a real estate product that has little or nothing to do with actual use of the unit some of these guys have had a lot more rentals in that property than you have had in yours but they're falling behind because they're not innovating they're not changing the price they're not covering the deal brought up to the front because all that airbnb is is a platform for you to make them money on your money and if you're willing to play, let's make a deal and get a guy in there, they're making money and they're advertising the people that are changing that price that are being proactive. So that's really the thing there. Because just like Google, nobody goes to the third page of Google. You reach no. you, you, you pick different parameters. If you're not on the first page of Google, you're not anything. Right? So you know, here's another little bit of insight right there. I'm like, 90% of the users on Airbnb and all other platforms are mobile users. So if you're not setting up your, your listing for mobile easy use, not, not desktop, not desktop, but mobile use, I'm like, you're behind the game. I won't be seeing your unit anytime soon. You're going to be bye-bye. So. <laughs> well, I, I'm sitting here thinking about my uh, rentals in Puerto Rico and I, I probably need to change that, <laughs> you know, uh, because, because I'm not set up for mobile, you know, and, and what I have is I have people that like a little longer term stay. I've got, there's an optometry school in Puerto Rico that they like to send their students to me. I've got a place on the beach and, and so they're, they're always there and they're, and they're, you know, but they're, 
they're doing it from the school. So now taking that tidbit and bringing that back and making it mobile compatible so that it's, it's easy to use is definitely the right way to do it. What is it that you're doing to, to enhance that and take that from a desktop experience to a mobile experience? Is that just clicking it on, on Airbnb or is there something else I got to do? Um, if you look at, like, if you pull up on your desktop and then you pull it up next, you know, let's say if you're looking at the same unit on your, on your, on your mobile unit and your desktop, and you can see how many characters you can view on your, on your desktop compared to your phone and realize this is all people are seeing on the phone. How can I maximize this? How can I change it from just blending with everyone else to, hey, that one stands out to me. Because what's 90% of what human beings want? It, we're visual and emotional intake on what on how we do things. So if it, if it, you know, that first picture we see is not visually pleasing to what we are trying, you know, where, wherever the unit's at, uh, to paint that picture for that story. So once they start thumbing through, because they don't, for the picture-wise, they, they don't go past, like, what, picture four? <laughs> yeah, five, picture four. So five. if you capture it in just those three uh, three to four pictures and paint that short little story, but having the headlines of, you know, the, the great stuff that is in that area with, you know, some emojis and everything like that, you're really going to tie in that emotional tie where they're going to, once they check out a few other ones, they're going to re remember that emotional tie saying, oh, I remember them talking about this, or, you know, I saw this cute furniture, or, you know, this, you know, this piece of art in there, or I see, you basically want to paint that picture where they see themselves there and doing what they want to do in that area. And so right. analyzing that and playing so on you guys, I mean, did, I mean, you guys are just grassroots in this stuff, or are you, are you reading up on this? We have, we have a team that we're doing analytics with, mm -hmm. and these are some of the things that we pulled in on this, um, you know, one of the things that we've learned is we're not the smartest people. And so we have no problem reaching out and inquiring about these things, getting information. If we find someone who's had more success or who said, hey, you know, over the last six months, I've tested this, this, this and this. Here are, here's the results I've gotten. We'll pay for that information because that's going to save us thousands of dollars and give us thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the long term. So, I mean, that was one of the, the, the grassroots parts we learned is that we don't know it all and we know we know we, we don't know it all. So one of our initial goals as we were developing our business was figuring out how can we get from the bottom of the barrel up to where people who are making money, how can we get in those circles of people and start building those relationships, start drawing from those people, start learning from those people. And so that was probably the first piece of the structure of our business, not going and building the business, going and learning how to build the business. Cause honestly, the idea was great. We had no idea what we were doing. And so we needed to learn. And that's really been the first year and a half of our businesses. We've poured thousands of dollars into education. Right. And you know, that's, that's the thing that you'll find with, with most successful entrepreneurs is, is being realistic, right? You're not, you don't, you don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room. If you are, you're not going to grow. And if you're constantly not being invited to a table to look at something different, to come up with something different, to do something better, to look at it from another perspective, then you're going to be the way of the dinosaur before you know it, especially as fast as technology and, and trends are changing now. So you guys, you guys had so much of this right before you even had a business model in looking back at here and hearing your story. I mean, you guys knew to invest in you. 
you knew that you had to pour your profits back into your business instead of buying Ferraris and, and ski boats, you know, but you, you guys had the basics down. And then from there, you've been able to experiment down this road, come up with a solution that works and then take it in a direction that is allowing you to beat the people that are super hosts that have been there longer than you, that, you know, that, that, uh, that should quote unquote, they've been in the business longer. They're supposed to know more. You know, that's one of the funny things that I'm, that I'm finding on this show is that the industry interrupters aren't the ones that know the business the best. They're the ones that look at it and say, I wonder if I could do business this way. I wonder so if true. I could do business that way. Because the funny thing is, Uber is a household name in less than 10 years. Facebook has become something that everybody relies on. In fact, is on its way out, according to most, in a period mm -hmm. of 10 or 18 years. And we're on to what's yeah. next. Everybody communicates in a completely different way. And taking the real estate game into those platforms is exactly what you guys have figured out how to do on your particular brand that's bringing you success. Guys, that, that, that is, that is going to put you miles and miles ahead of everybody because you're not looking at the asset that you're peddling. You're looking at the information about the asset that you're peddling. Yes. And yep. that, that guys is phenomenal. That is, that puts you so far ahead of everybody else as far as where you're taking your business and what it's going to return to you. That's amazing guys. And, and listeners, if you didn't get anything out of this podcast, take this away that it's not the asset that makes you the money. It's the information about that asset that makes you the money, whether that be Airbnb, whether that be, I mean, Right now with COVID, everybody is loving Grubhub. Grubhub just yep, has yep. information about where a guy with a car is and the other piece of information about where a guy that's hungry is. And a third piece of information about where the food is that that guy wants that the guy with the car can go get and everybody makes money. You guys are taking yep. that approach with real estate. That is genius, guys. That is really, really good stuff. So guys, I want to, I want to ask you one more question uh, and it, it might be different for both of you, but why? What is your why that powers you in this business? Okay. Um, for me, it's, it's two things primarily. And this is something I've had a lot of opportunity and time to really think about and delve into. And it's because it's the two things I'm most passionate about. Honestly, as I pursued my passions earlier in life, business was never a part of, of going after those passions. Um, but one um, is, is my family. I have three teenage daughters. One of them just graduated high school last year and, um, you know, has in mind things she wants to go do. But I think one of my biggest things, and I learned this from Robert Kiyosaki and uh, Dean Graciosi, who are very, you know, critical on the archaic school system that our, our kids are, are educated in these days, if, if you want to call it education. And that's uh, a huge frustration of mine. And growing up, uh, when my kids were younger, I, I didn't have the opportunity to um, give them a different kind of education that would have cost more money because I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I know they're kind of coming to the end of their uh, 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 kids school life education career whatever um, 
but the opportunity to have them work with their dad in a business that's constantly evolving, that is something they are excited about, something they think is cool because of the opportunities it would afford them. Um, I want to be able to create something that not only I can do, I can do with my kids, they can operate their pieces of the business as they would get trained into it from their phone, from anywhere they're at in the world, yeah. you know, and, and allow themselves the financial opportunity to pursue the things they want to do with their life. Right. And so, you know, it's sort of a, a twofold thing with them. With one, give them the opportunity to learn how to do business, which is what you won't learn in school. And then, you know, not just how to learn business, but while you're operating a, a business, how to learn business, how to, and, and really it's the biggest thing is the commerce of relationship. And that's something I've really focused on in the last year, how I communicate with people. What words do I say? How does my tone sound? Even when I'm texting, what words am I adding to it to over exemplify this is what I'm trying to communicate to you. And, and just the aspect of, of using all the different tools afforded to us now that I didn't have when I was their age and, and teaching them how to use them giving them opportunities, fooling them with the, this could be you, you could be doing this by the time you're 25 years old, or, you know, just feeding that idea. And then, you know, when I'm ready to step out of it on a, on a bigger level, being able to hand something off to my daughters who I know at that point would be responsible to handle and run and operate a business. And then for me, the other part of it too, is one thing I'm very passionate about. I've grown up um, in the church. So some of my faith is very, um, very important to me. Um, and so one of the things I really want to draw from is, I've, I've, like I said, I've grown up in the church. I want to create a church environment that's different where people who feel like church can never be my thing. Those are the people I, I, I'm hungry to reach. And um, one of the things that's always hidden me from going that direction, apart from a lot of people saying, you'll never make it, you'll never do it, um, was just uh, how can I get away from giving all my hours in a week to my job just to provide for my family to where now the money's there and I can pursue this passion and money doesn't have to be the issue that stops it from moving forward. Money doesn't have to be the issue why this person can't be helped. And so that was my other passion of money is a tool to get to the things that motivate, that fuel, that passion me and helping and reaching other people is probably that biggest passion. That's awesome, Mike. What about you, Casey? All right, mine are very simple. Uh, one is my freedom. I've, I've always hated working for someone else. Especially and, when it was your dad, right? <laughs> uh, I had to take his shit all my life. <laughs> no, no, my father is such a great mentor. Uh, no, my freedom. I'm like, because I, I love to be able to do whatever the hell I want when I want. Right. And, and when I, when someone says, Hey, you got to be here to do this, this, and this, I, you know, I, I hate it because it's not my choice to go do it. Uh, and then the second thing is, uh, yeah, being able to build the future for my family. So they don't have to look back and say, well, you know, mom and dad never had the means to be able to help me get to wherever I want to be at in my life. And I didn't, I didn't have that growing up. My, my my family, my parents were awesome. They took well care of me and gave me every opportunity I could uh, to get where I want. And so I want my kids to know 
and have that opportunity. So they look at something and they see it and they just go after it, regardless of what's in their way. Because that's how I've always approached life and I want them to approach life the same way. So being able to instill that into them and giving them the fuel to not necessarily say, hey, you know, I'm just gonna throw money at you, but earning it, building that grit and that value of what they're doing to pursue what they love. And so that- That's awesome, that's awesome, guys. Well, so if people wanna find you, they can reach out KCK Barnwell on Instagram. Uh, you guys have got the Soar First Innovations that has now become uh, Soar First uh, Realty. What, what? No, no, it was it was a Soar First Investments, but now Soar First Innovations. Okay, so so they can find you there, guys. You'll see that on our when this comes up, you'll see it attached to the podcast. Guys, I really want to thank you for your time. You've given me so much to think about, so much to contemplate. I love how you're innovating in a space that didn't even exist. A couple of years ago, the Uber or the yeah the Uber and the Airbnbs didn't exist, yeah. but now you guys are already reinventing how that even happens. And guys, more power to you! Thanks so much for being on the show. This is Shannon Robnett with the Real Estate Rundown. Thanks again, guys.